Welcome to Material Signs, a podcast from Enpro Industries, a leading industrial technology company using material science to push boundaries in semiconductor, life sciences, and other technology-enabled sectors. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Material Signs, a podcast brought to you by the experts at Enpro Industries. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining us for this very first episode of the show. On this episode, we have three amazing experts joining us. First, we have Dr. Scott Carney, Chief Science and Technology Officer at Optica, Dr. Kate Medicus, the CEO at Ruta Cardinal, and Dr. Alexis Vogt, Endowed Chair and Professor of Optics at Monroe Community College. And we had a really in-depth discussion on the field of optics and the ways that our lives are impacted by it on a day-to-day basis. And so it's a really incredible conversation and a great way really to start off this podcast series. So I hope you enjoy it. It's the first episode of Material Signs, a podcast from InPro Industries coming at you right now. I'm uh, really excited to dive into this topic with the three of you here today. And uh, Dr. Carney, we're going to start off with you. What is the field of optics? Just get us started on the uh, on level playing field here uh, and just give us the basics. You bet. So optics is really just the science of light. Uh, it's uh, in some sense the oldest science. Uh, the, the roots of op- optics go back to uh, Moji in China and Euclid uh, 2,500 years ago, uh, first describing what can really be thought of as the first accurately described law of, uh, scientific law, uh, the law of reflection, uh, that the idea that light bounces off a surface and reflects at the same angle it came in at. Uh, this has survived 2,500 years of thought. Uh, and it today has expanded into all kinds of things like vision and lasers and electronics that all have elements of optics in them, all involve light. I would love to hear from each of you on just some examples in some places uh, where the average person interacts with optics or optical components. Um, yeah, uh, Dr. Medicus, let's start off with you, but I'd love to hear examples from everyone here. In in the cell phone, uh, you've got so many different optical systems, but even more than just the actual things that you think are simple, like the camera, right? Everyone knows that's that's going to have a lens and an optical system. The more we we dive when we dive a little bit deeper, we see a lot of things within here that are either made using optics or things that you didn't know were optics, like the screen. The, the, the screen itself was manufactured using optical systems, and it is an optical system to, to, to show that light and get it to, to our eyes so we can see that. But the, the one that I love the most, and I think is one of the most challenging optical problems that we've ever solved as humans, is making computer chips using lithography systems. And those printed uh, computer chips, which carry um, signals, electrical signals, they're very, 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 very small. And that would really what enables these to be so small. And those are made using a high precision optical system uh, that uh, that projects the pattern onto the computer chip. And that's really, I think, where most people interact. They don't even know it, but they're interacting with an optical system in their everyday lives. Dr. Vogt, uh, any, uh, any examples or anything that you'd like to share on this question as well? Absolutely. I think the amazing part of this optics and photonics field is that we are using it and integrating with it throughout the day, even though we're likely not aware. So when we think about things in addition to our smartphones, backup cameras, in cars, we think about future advancements like autonomous vehicles. Those are entirely optics-enabled technologies to things like champagne manufacturing. So machine vision systems using optics are inspecting champagne bottles along production lines to make sure that they have the right amount of champagne and that the corks are on straight. 
I mean, this list is enormous for ways in which optics is being used. I mean, we use it in the agriculture industry significantly. Um, for example, monitoring Brazil's orange groves to determine if Brazil underrates or overrates their orange product as they choose, that then impacts the, uh, the pricing of Florida's orange juice. I mean, it's, it's really interesting. So, but during the day, it's everything from when we start up and our alarms go off by the smartphone sitting next to our beds to when we are ending the day. I mean, throughout the day, we are interacting with optical devices. Dr. Vogt just mentioned champagne and orange juice uh, in the same uh, example, and I have a sudden sudden craving for a mimosa. But uh, but Dr. Carney, uh, any other uh, examples you can share with us? Well, I, I really like uh, Alexis and uh, Kate's examples. I think uh, it would be easier to identify the things uh, that you interact with that don't involve optics. It would be a shorter list. Uh, it, you know, if it wasn't manufactured using optics or it wasn't uh, inspected using optics or it wasn't grown using optics uh you, you'd, you'd you'd come up with a very short list of things yeah one of the things that i think has been uh on the forefront and and growing and fighting uh global climate change is optics is right there in many different ways i mean the simple example that most of us might know is the solar cell and uh solar energy many different ways of solving that problem optically to get that energy from the sun but there are other other examples uh right now some of the the kind of traditional uh, satellites that might be up in space that were used for defense purposes are getting repurposed to actually fly, fight uh, wildfires because we can see, uh, those satellites can see where those fires are starting in a much uh, quicker sense than when we could see them on the ground. So in terms of fighting um, or, or our response to global climate change is uh, optics is right there within it. And uh, I think that's really one of the future applications where we can continue to grow and continue to help our, our society and our environment. I would add to that as well, space exploration. We think about the Mars rover that's sitting in space right now on Mars, understanding if life could have existed, that's entirely optics enabled from sensors and lenses to cameras. We would not further understand space and various different planets without optics. And it's also being used for national security and defense purposes to protect us. So the list just goes on and on and on. And it really is remarkable. I think Dr. Carney's right. The, the list is much shorter if you think about technologies not enabled by optics. That's a that's a great point. And it's it certainly seems that way, uh, having covered uh, the, these various examples now. So I want to move on and talk about what types of companies are involved and uh, in, in optics. What is the national slash international situation within optics uh, as it relates to the types of companies that are involved? Uh, Kate, let me toss this to you first. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people might think of Kodak. In the, in the old days, in optics, right? That was the US company in Kodak. And well, we know that Kodak in the same form doesn't exist as it, as it did in the past. So what happened to all those companies? What Or what happened to all that knowledge that we had about manufacturing lenses and making cameras or our, or our national defense response that Kodak was also part of that we don't always all know about? So I we can say, I actually know from personal example, a lot of that knowledge went to small 
smaller optics companies, especially within that region. So a lot of the optics companies that they're not necessarily household names that Kodak used to be, but a lot of these the technology and the companies are still existing. Um, They might have actually gotten um, parsed off into a group into a prime contractors almost all of the prime contractors, the big defense companies like Raytheon Technologies or Lockheed Martin, they all have optics arms. So they're not the big high, high, but the, what what those what those optics arms create is enabling technologies for that larger for that larger corporation in there. So uh, Alexis pointed out about NASA and space exploration, they're a big user of optics, right? But it's not just NASA, right? It's not just government funding. We know more and more that private companies are getting into space exploration. We've got all these um, uh, mini sats and these cube sats. More and more, it's turning to a commercial industry and a way of um, meeting customer needs, but allowing um, allowing those companies to to increase their stock prices and grow within them. All of the modern internet companies, the Google, Alph- Google, Alphabet, Facebook, Microsoft, um, and Apple, they've all got optics arms. What are they doing? Well, they're not always saying, but they're doing some really, really fun stuff. They're giving us, um, we're talking about wearables. Uh, you know, that's a little bit push and pull that how the how successful that has been. But uh, the Oculus system, the VR technology system and where that's going to be applied. So it, it's it's a um, while while there aren't the big companies like Kodak anymore that were truly optics focused, all of these companies, many of the Fortune 500 companies have optics arms and have that stress uh, to optics that enable their uh, their larger picture in there. Yes, one of the very interesting things of optics is how interdisciplinary it is. So the optics industries, they incorporate things like medical companies, they incorporate agriculture type companies, they incorporate space companies. Many of the companies themselves have very diversified portfolios. So they may not have just a single market in which they play, but they might be in the medical space and also in the defense or the semiconductor industry as well. And so they're really quite diversified. But it comes back to our previous discussion about how optics is in everything that we do and it continues to be as we as we move forward. I think it's also exciting to think about the technologies that are forthcoming because of optics. So the wearable displays that Kate mentioned, but we also think about things like having Wi-Fi access to all people around the entire world, even to developing countries that don't have running water will soon have Wi-Fi access to that. Another area where we will see an expanse is in the way in which we charge these devices. And so, for example, if you think about the smartphone, the technology that's being developed now, instead of doing what probably most of us do, which is charge your smartphone next to your bed and use it in the morning for all your alarm clock. Instead, what we'll be doing soon is perhaps only charging them once a month. So you think, okay, well, this is this is the beginning of the month, so I'm not going to have to charge this until we have another month has gone by. And that's the type of advancement that our world is going to be taken over by. Again, all optics-enabled technologies. Dr. Carney, anything to add from uh, from what you've heard from the the others? Yeah, I, I think uh, you know these are these are great examples. Um, uh, the the market uh, for optics is really growing exponentially because uh, when it comes there, there there's still a huge uh, base installed base of pure optics companies with uh, you know companies like Zeiss or um, 
uh, Olympus or uh, to some extent Nikon. Nikon's diversified a lot, but these are sort of old school companies that uh, have been building lenses and, and imaging systems and uh, lithography systems for a long time. Uh, but really what you see today is also companies that have come and, and as was mentioned, you know, from other high tech sectors, they're now incorporating cameras and optical sensors. And then on the manufacturing side, you've got companies like ASML who manufactures, uh, you know, it's a Dutch company that manufactures these enormous optical elements that go into making computer chips that get sold to companies, um, you know, like Intel uh, that manufacture computer chips. And in that, just keeps rolling along, but the, the biggest op optics companies uh, in the world may soon be the auto manufacturers. Uh, whereas your phone might have one or two or five, you know, depending on just how fancy your phone is, cameras, you know, your car is gonna have dozens of cameras. And uh, every, every time someone buys a new car, there's gonna be another dozen or however many cameras put in that car, some of them actively collecting information that go to the users and some of them just feeding information to a computer that uh, can help you avoid an accident or help you uh, survive an accident or just help you find the grocery store. And the, the possibilities are just endless. These, these, uh, these companies uh, that are coming up today, uh, I don't know, uh, I, I think certainly Alexis and Kate, I don't know if you had a chance to sit in on it. Just uh, yesterday I sat through the final round of the, the Luminate uh, incubator uh, competition program uh, based in Rochester, New York. Uh, and it, it's, a, it's a marvelous program to help young entrepreneurs, uh, so young entrepreneurs, help entrepreneurs with early stage companies move up through the optics ecosystem. And, uh, you know, there were, there were companies uh, in the finals of that competition in the automotive space, uh, in the medical space, uh, in the manufacturing space, and uh, you can see how uh, all of these sectors are gobbling up more and more optics and, uh, and the problem that Alexis is solving for us more and more uh, optics workforce. There's one thing when we think about, you know, companies and, and where and how, um, how it relates to manufacturing optics or, or manufacturing optical systems is that hardware is hard. Building optical systems that will work in challenging environments or even challenging environments from our optics, it's hard. Um, so there's, um, there, there's, a, there's a question of, well, why don't we know these, these fancy optics companies on the Silicon Valley? Why aren't, why aren't we hearing about all those? Is because sometimes it just takes a long time and it's, it takes a lot of investment to get to, the, to get to solving these challenging optical problems. But what, what some companies have found is that there's actually a trade-off, that you can do some things. You can make the hardware not so precise, but you can increase how it performs by using uh, software. That's if we ever were able to see the raw image, what our cell phone takes, you wouldn't be able to understand it. There's so much software and so much processing that goes along with that so that we can interpret those images. So it's a really interesting trade-off um, in terms of companies' investments and how they're able to solve those problems. But sometimes you can't solve all the problems with software. So you have to make more precise optics. When we think about companies, I also think it's important to point out the connection that companies have had during the COVID pandemic. I mean, this has been a really difficult time for our world, particularly for our economy. 
many people not employed, companies turning down in many different industries. Interestingly, in the optics space, all of the companies I have talked with who are contacting me because they're looking to grow and they're looking to expand, all of these companies in the optics space have seen incredible growth. Some of them reporting their best year ever was during the COVID pandemic. And that's really interesting because the optics work, the optics world is part of the development of the vaccine. It's part of the testing process. I mean, all of these areas within our world are growing as they're relating to optics. So during this terrible time in our world, we're seeing optics companies reporting their strongest years yet. Yeah, and I think I think Kate mentioned sort of in passing there that you know th there are a lot of big optics companies that you've never heard of, and you know when you ask what kinds of companies are in optics, a lot of op you know sort of pure optics companies are are working in the B two B space. Their their business is selling to businesses, and they're solving those hard problems and then selling their products to companies that incorporate the optical systems into their bigger thing. You know. Uh, Apple has a lot of in-house uh, optics now, but if you're, you know, uh, building a, a, a competing smartphone, you're probably not going to immediately start with a big in-house optical engineering uh, division. You're going to go to someone like Kate and say, help me figure out how I'm going to build this and, and build it affordably. And then you're going to go to a contract manufacturer and et cetera. So um, a lot of what happens in the optics space is business to business. So the, I think a really interesting question following on the back of uh, a lot of what Dr. Vogt had to say was uh, just how, you know, discussing and talking about how companies that are in optics define success. Is it innovation? Is it business success? It, you know, when, when it comes to uh, sales and, and things along those lines. Dr. Medicus, can you start us off anyways, just explaining uh, maybe some of the ways that, that companies measure success uh, that are in optics? Right. So if we talk about it, you know, met in a lot in the optics industry and they talk about research or we talk about what government funding can do. But when we come down to it, right, it's the companies that really can drive that forward innovation. It's not just from uh, government grants or that innovation. So how, how are the companies um, defining success? And it, it comes, it's uh, shareholder value, but it also comes down to um, employee success, growing their companies and allowing their employees to have uh, growth opportunities and learning more. Many of the, um, you know, the optics companies are also looking to solve those challenging problems that, that will allow our society to grow. We talk about the climate change. We talk about the environmental justice questions that we go into, into that. Um, but it's, it, it comes, it, we know that we want to, we need to keep advancing the optics technologies. I mean, for very simple, we we want to keep up with Moore's law. We want to allow um, our society to have those smaller computer chips. This is one example of how we can define success, keeping up with Moore's laws. Um, and that allows us to have more high performing and better electronic devices. And the optics industry has to respond to that, to permit that. Um, so it's very, you know, it's very simple. Let's keep advancing the technology and then let's keep making a little bit of money so we can keep moving that forward too. Anybody else want to weigh in on, uh, on, on how success is defined by companies in optics? Yeah, I mean, for a, sort of an outsider perspective here from a, a scientific society, um, I, I think the business success is, is pretty easily measured in dollars or euros or yuan. Um, but uh, it, 
the optics community is a very impressive group in, in for me anyway, having spent a long time in engineering and science, uh, I, it, it's a very special community, I think, uh, dedicated uh, more than most to the greater good. You see, you see that a lot of people come in uh, wanting to uh, build real value uh, in, in the communities they work in. And, uh, and as, as Kate points out, uh, really make an impact on quality of life through the process of invention and innovation. From my perspective, where I'm a professor and chair of the optics program at Monroe Community College, we're training the skilled technical workforce. And I can see that companies are being prosperous because they are coming to me seeking more students. They're trying to recruit more optics technicians than we even have available. So optics companies are prospering. We need more training programs to do them. So a lot of the work that I'm doing now, not only here in Rochester, New York at Monroe Community College, but now around the country, is to create more training programs because optics is the future. But what we need is the workforce to support it. And that's a lot of the work that I've been doing right now. That's some excellent stuff, you know, and and, and we talked a little bit about the the, the business to business aspect of optics a little bit, uh, a lot of bit, a little bit earlier. Uh, Dr. Vogt, can you talk about the differences between optics products and then using optics to make other types of products? It's a really interesting connection and interrelation between optics companies there are companies who are going to sell directly to consumers and some of those big name companies everyone would recognize when you think about apple uh, there are other companies that are doing a lot of optics work others might not be aware of like facebook for example facebook has a large optics division but you may not even realize you just think about going onto facebook to connect with your friends facebook is doing optics there are also much smaller many smaller optics companies who are developing various different components that would go into a different optical system. So for example, in the Rochester, New York area, there are more than 120 optics companies. Some of them might make a lens and that lens is then going to go into a Mars Rover. And it might be something that is connected then it's gonna be sold down to Kate. Kate might help with some of the design work and her team so that all of it, it's really, it's a web. It's a web of knowledge. It's a web of in, information and everyone is working together. And so we see this really diverse spread of what optics companies are doing and the size of their optics companies vary significantly. There are some small companies that have fewer than 10 employees. There are companies that have thousands of employees. I mean, the, the, it, it varies. Uh, we also think about optics companies like Bausch & Lomb, which is designing contact lenses and interocular lenses. And so there's that type of optics associated with vision and improving people's lives through eye health that are also optics companies. So that would be a consumer driven company where you're gonna to sell to the consumer, but a lot of the other optics companies are making components that might go into a DNA sequencing machine. So it's, it varies depending upon the area of expertise. There are other optics companies that specifically do parts of the manufacturing process like coating lenses. We put coatings on lenses so that more light can travel through the optic rather than reflecting off of it. And if we, those specific companies, then you would manufacture the optic perhaps in-house, make the lens and send it to this specific optics company to have it coated, who might then send it back to you. So it's a very interesting breakdown on how the optics companies work together. 
So, Dr. Connie, I'm I'm curious, just from your perspective, what do you see out there in the market these days that is state of the art in optics? What what is groundbreaking these days? Well, yeah, there's there's a lot going on, and and you know we've touched on the fact that uh, optics is sort of in all sectors. Um, the there is, you know, it, this sort of falls into a couple of categories. There's a lot of really cutting edge state of the art technology that involves or includes optics technology that is not necessarily cutting edge state of the art in optics because it's it's an enabling technology and then there are things that are really just from an optics perspective right on the edge of what's possible uh the last 10 years have been uh really incredible in our field uh the things that have happened uh well maybe in the last 15 years my my grad school self would would have viewed as magic uh sort of uh We've we've imaged at scales, uh, size scales, uh, that we never dreamed possible because of uh, the so-called diffraction limit. Uh, the, the progress in quantum optics is is mind-boggling. Uh, you know, the QKD, the so-called quantum key distribution technology, that's based on the fundamental quantum nature of the universe, uh, has has become a commercial product. Uh, there are there are banks that send encoded messages. Uh, across hundreds of kilometers uh, using QKD, QKD technology. And all of that work is, is leading to things like now uh, the, the promise of quantum computing. And uh, I, I was just looking yesterday at uh, the number of uh, quantum computing companies uh, going public, going IPO, uh, is, is really impressive. And uh, it's because they have products that are right now breaking through and, uh, and hold incredible promise uh, for the future. The things we're going to be able to do on the computing side because of these breakthroughs uh, are, are really mind-blowing. And there are approaches that are sort of all optical, that are photon-based, and uh, they're, they're really cool. But even the things that are sort of solid-state-based, that are based in uh, supercomputing uh, elements, so-called squids and, and, and supercomputing uh, 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 registers, uh, these things still have to talk to each other, and that talking to each other uh, almost always has to happen through some kind of optical interface because of the uh, need to isolate from the environment. And so uh, the cutting edge of optics uh, is, is way out there from, you know, the, the now uh, upgrade going into the so-called LIGO gravitational wave interferometer that's probing the edges of the universe uh, it down to, uh, you know, palm and storm technology that uh, are probing the inner workings of the mitochondria in your cells. And uh, it's, it's the whole spectrum, the whole gamut, and, uh, and, and the things that are just right at our fingertips for scientific discovery and the possibilities on the, on the engineering and manufacturing side are really gonna be life-changing in the next decade. Dr. Vogt, I believe it was you earlier that said uh, that, that hardware is, is hard. It's, it's difficult, right? So where does optics fit in the spectrum of difficulties in the high-tech world? Well, I'll defer a bit to Kate there because that, in fact, was her was her line. So I'll give her a chance to to jump in as well. Uh, optics manufacturing is very challenging, and it's also important to recognize that only the manufacturing portion of it, but also the measuring part of it, is very challenging. So if you can't measure it, you can't make it because there's no way to verify that in fact it was made properly. That said, the we are very much pushing the limits 
of what people thought possible. So if you look at what we're doing now in the space of optics manufacturing, 10 years ago, people said that's not possible. And we are continuing to evolve and push what those boundaries are. And that's what's really leading to all of these scientific discoveries that are changing the way in which we live, like Dr. Carney was just was just talking through right there. Yeah. So there, there's examples like that. You talked about, you know, what we what wasn't possible 20 years ago. And some of the examples of that is um, so lens shapes. Typically, we think of lenses as as two two spheres or parts of two spheres uh, put together um, before uh, in the in uh, before about 20 years ago, we really didn't have a good way of measuring what would happen if if we wanted to make a shape that wasn't so much a sphere that maybe was was off or was even really really oddly shaped so we might have had that technology to manufacture it but we couldn't make it or we couldn't measure it so therefore we can't manufacture it and that is really um changed over the last 20 years that we can manufacture the most oddly shaped uh, glass elements, which allows us to have smaller optical systems, which allow lighter weight optical systems and more precise optical systems. And that allows us to just to just grow the, the technology and grow our innovation. Kate, please, please tell me you're going to quote Lord Kelvin. <laughs> Lord Calvin, <laughs> if you can know something, about, if you can measure it, then then you therefore you can know something about it. It's uh, it, it 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 Alexis did say it. It was if you can't measure it, you can't make it. That's how we that's how we say it. Excellent stuff. Well, so Kate, I would love to hear a little bit more uh, about the interdepend interdependencies uh, within optics, uh, mechanics, electronics, and software. If you could uh, kind of dive into that a little bit as well. So this is this is I this is a little bit where where I get on uh, my my high horse. So let's talk about an example about that. So a, a young optical engineer will want to design an optical system. Okay, they've been assigned by their boss. You need a we need a new camera. We've got all the optical specs. It's going to be it's going to be this. It's going to look this far away. It's going to be this f number. It's going to be this performance. So they design this perfect optical system, and it works beautifully and they give a presentation to their to their boss and it, they've got these beautiful pictures and it's performing great and it's got the lenses floating in air and they're and and so the boss is well how are we going to hold them what do you, and the young optical engineer says what do you mean hold them and 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 it leads to we might have a perfect optical system but until we know how to hold it, until we know how to get the light, get the signal, the electronics out of it, till we know what to do with that signal, the software, we can't use it. So it's a, it's a complete package. These systems that we design and that we build and that we're training our technicians to build, they are complete optomechanical, electrical, and they might move, they might go under temperature changes, they might go through vibration if we're launching them up in the rocket. So what the choices that we make when we do that first initial optical design are going to carry through, but we've got to come back to the loop so it's all interdependent and i found this we've we've this is such a challenge within within building and optical systems we um and it comes to the manufacturing question can we can design a perfect optical system but can we manufacture it can we measure it so um it really is a challenge for our employees they have to be highly educated they have to know so much of different areas and they they need to know when they make this choice 
how is that going to affect how is that going to be the flow down so it's one of the greatest challenges that we have and i really uh i really like how we we can we can respond to that and do that and i think that's one of the things that that scott and dr carney and the uh optica group can do to educate the entire optics community in terms of this is this is interdependent it you cannot be isolated in just your little silo that's a that's a really great point uh dr carney dr vote do you anything you want to add on to uh um, to what Dr. Medicus was saying there. Well, yeah, I, I will go back to the idea that it's a, it's an amazing community to work in. Uh, the, the sort of uh, the, the discipline of optics, optical engineering, photonics, photonic engineering. Um, I'm I'm really excited about uh, you know obviously the scientific discovery angle and and the opportunities for invention and innovation, but. It's such an impactful field uh, that there is so much potential uh, for economic growth and development, uh, for intellectual growth and development. Uh, the there's I, I don't think there's another high tech sector out there uh, with with the growth potential and the potential to do good in, in the communities where it has impact as optics. Uh, when I look at uh, the, the sort of accessibility, uh, the intellectual accessibility of training in the discipline, starting with uh, high school courses that are being uh, taught now in optics. Uh, it, you know, Alexis's amazing uh, technician program at Monroe Community College, uh, the, the sort of uh, uh, opportunities at uh, small and medium-sized companies like Kate's, and then the impact that growing mid-sized companies have in communities uh, where uh, folks are clamoring for opportunity and economic development. And you can show up and say, look, uh, there are, you know, about three uh, new lens assembly systems uh, for every human being on the planet uh, that need to be manufactured this month. Uh, and would you like to make some of them? Uh, the opportunities uh, for, for people to participate in that ecosystem are just hanging there. And, you know, Alexis is training the workforce. Uh, yeah, Kate's doing the engineering and, and, and creating this, the cutting edge optical systems. And, and our friends and colleagues are, are picking all of that up and turning into real good in the world. Uh, and I'm, I'm just really excited to be part of this uh, amazing community. Dr. Vogt, any, uh, any comments on that? This field is really remarkable because we are changing the way in which people live. We used to rely upon a lot of electronic devices so that we're using the electron, you plug it into a wall and that's how it operated. We've made a transition to using photons, light. And the reason that's so significant is that through using photons instead of electrons, we can make devices faster, smaller, and more energy efficient. And that is the wave of the future. And so that's where this field is so particularly intriguing is all of these devices, all of these applications, all of the companies are using optics to revolutionize the way in which we all live. So Dr. Connie, uh, maybe just kind of break down real quick uh, the difference between optics and photonics. Is this something that, that gets frequently uh, confused or, uh, or, or is this a, a, a topic of frequent conversation? Break down the differences for us. 
Sure, sure. I mean, uh, photonics was at one point a bit of a neologism, uh, you know, taking off. Uh, yeah, these language goes full circle, and you know, you start uh, with with the photon being derived from the old Greek, and then uh, sort of photonics emerges as a as a as a label on things that uh, we usually mean to refer to um, integrated systems uh, in the same way that electronics uh, usually refers to things that involve electricity, but in sort of integrated circuits and, and systems, uh, that's sort of what we mean when we say photonics. Um, we're typically talking about, uh, you know, solid state lasers and waveguides built into chips uh, and, and things like that. Although there are other people who will uh, say photonics to mean more broadly optics. And uh, so we, it, and then there's, you know, Folks like me who grew up when it was just optics, and, uh, and you know, I still just call it optics, and it's it, it's all encompassing uh, the the disciplines of light and light technology. Well, I know that with everything that there is to discuss these days in optics, we could go on for you know hours on this topic, uh, but we should probably wrap this up at some point. So uh, to do that, I would love to give each of you the opportunity just to uh, just to give us your closing thoughts, just to give us any any closing statements, anything you want people to walk away with uh, from hearing this episode, and so Dr. Carney, let me start with you, uh, just to kick it to you first. Uh, give us some final thoughts that you have um, and, and some things that you want to discuss, and we'll, we'll just kind of go down the line and, and let everyone um, kind of give us their, their final thoughts and conclusions. Uh, well, I'll, I'll reiterate. I'm, I'm very happy to be here, and, and thank you for hosting us today. This has been a lot of fun. I take any chance I get to see my old friends and colleagues, uh, Kate and Alexis. It's great to see you here today. Thanks for uh, participating along with me. Um, you know, the the to, to be more than a little corny about it, the future is bright uh, for optics. And uh, sorry, I'll beg forgiveness, but it, it, it really is uh, a, an amazing thing to be in. Uh, and even, you know, setting aside uh, the, the sort of opportunities for development, uh, the business opportunities, the economic development opportunities, uh, the opportunities for discovery, the opportunities uh, for invention are all just enormous. Uh, it's, it's the study of light is just for me, at least deeply satisfying and beautiful. Uh, you know, it's the physics you can see it's all around you all the time. I find myself, you know, sort of like a, like a bored cat playing with a laser pointer and doing diffraction experiments in my spare time, uh, simply because it's such an amazingly beautiful, uh, window into the world of waves, uh, into uh, the quantum world. I mean, you, you, you turn on an LED and you, you literally see the band gap in the semiconductor uh, being broadcast to you in the color of the LED. Uh, optics offers us so many insights uh, into the world around us. Uh, I would encourage anyone uh, to learn more about the subject uh, because it, it really connects you uh, deeply uh, and easily uh, to the way the world works. Dr. Medicus, uh, follow up on that from uh, from Dr. Carney and give us your final thoughts. Right. Uh, like like Scott said, I very much appreciate being able to be here and, and speak on this today and uh, so very thankful for that. I think I wanted to just you know, Scott ended with with a message of you know encouraging everyone to learn more about about optics, and that I I think that is a, a a key point. You know that that we can. There's always more to learn, but at the same time, 
not everyone's got expertise in different areas. And I think the message is that there are so many people knowledgeable in the different fields, uh, in the different disciplines within optics, that we can all uh, rely on them to know um, their fields. And I use, I utilize experts every day in my work. And I think it's, it's, it's something that to search for who is knowledgeable in that area is, is a, um, we don't have to do it alone is is i think uh where where i'm trying to go with that is that we can we can learn from the experts that are out there and dr vote uh give us some final thoughts and uh, anything you want to leave our listeners with here today i would encourage people to also pursue this field of optics and photonics one of the challenges frankly that we have right now in our industry because our world is becoming optics enabled we don't have the workforce to sustain it we are looking for artists musicians, gamers, chefs, automobile mechanics, athletes. These are people who have demonstrated hand-eye coordination, and we need them in our optics industry, in these optics companies, to be manufacturing and to be testing optics. So we're seeking to grow this workforce because it's so desperately needed in the industry. So the good news is we're growing like crazy. We These optics-enabled technologies are taking over our world, and simply put, that's because Nothing in the world travels faster than light. And we're just so pleased, I'll speak on behalf of the three of us, to be part of this industry. It's really a remarkable industry and tremendously exciting. And we, we really thank you, Tyler, for the opportunity to highlight the optics and photonics industry and to share our thoughts this afternoon. Well, it's been a pleasure getting a chance to host uh, the three of you, three people who are so knowledgeable and so active in this in this community. It has been a, a real blast for me. And so Dr. Alexis Vogt, Dr. Kate Medicus, and Dr. Scott Carney, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast today and sharing your insights. Thank you. Thank you, Tyler. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you for tuning into this episode. We hope you found it as educational, informative, and entertaining as I did as well. Uh, Thank you again for listening. Uh, Make sure to stay tuned for upcoming episodes of the show. But for my expert panelists today, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for joining us. So as our guests observed, optics are everywhere and their their possibilities are constantly evolving and they're endless. Uh, Without fully realizing, we interact with them every day through our cell phones, the camera that I'm looking at right now, uh, our computers, uh, the backup camera system that have pretty much become pretty much standard in most cars. To me, it's amazing to hear Dr. Carney say that there are three new lens assembly systems for every person on the planet. Imagine this, there's close to 8 billion people on Earth. And there's three new lens assembly systems for every person on the planet. Do the math. It just blows me away. You know, think about it. But personally, what really excites me is how optics pretty much enables every industry to function and more importantly, to constantly evolve. As examples, think of cameras that inspect uh, processes throughout the manufacturing process, quality control equipment, Uh, or monitoring environmental conditions in a semiconductor fab where the most advanced chips are being produced and so much more. These examples highlight that optics are not only used in sophisticated new applications such as LiDAR, self-driven cars, space exploration, the most advanced cell phone that I just referenced, and that in reality, it also plays a very important role in rejuvenating more traditional industries and constantly pushing boundaries. 
you know, some of the examples that our guests shared to me sort of highlight this, right? Um, I can think of the, the one around oranges and champagne, which actually led to the, uh, the host making a joke around mimosa. But I never realized, I never even thought that optics actually played a role in the production of champagne, which led me to, um, to sort of think about an article that I read recently about a Portuguese winemaker that leverages optics and robots to test and assess the health of grapevines. As much as I can enjoy a good glass of wine, and trust me, I really do enjoy a glass of good wine, it had never crossed my mind that optics could actually lead to being a competitive advantage in the wine industry. To me, it's just another example of the importance of optics in our day-to-day -day lives. They're pretty much everywhere and now it positively impacts our quality of life. So thank you.